Wait, I need to read that again, I thought. The email on my screen was very brief, just two sentences. It said, Georgie, I'm eating all the time for comfort. I don't know how to handle this need for comfort. And my first thought was, well, crap, I don't know how I'm going to answer that. I leaned back in my chair and thought about Ava. Ava is a client of mine and the sender of the email. During the previous month or so, she had started making impulsive food decisions, and they didn't feel good. She was eating foods that she knew she was intolerant to, she was eating when she wasn't hungry, and she was eating lots more sweets than was normal for her. Obviously, on our coaching calls, we were talking through how to reduce these incidents, and some of that process had involved a lot of questioning about why these were happening. When she emailed me, it was her saying, one, I recognize that comfort-seeking is behind these eating incidents. And two, Ava was also saying that she felt confused because she wasn't sure why she needed all of this comfort all of a sudden. And she wondered if that was a problem, like maybe she needed to toughen up. Hence the line in her email, I don't know how to handle this need for comfort. So after some thinking, I wrote back, Dear Ava, how do you handle your need for water? In this episode, we'll explore comfort, discomfort, and how comforting ourselves in many ways resembles the process of finding water when we're thirsty. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. When I asked Ava how she handled her need for water, she initially didn't write back, and I thought, oh darn, I stumped her. But luckily, we had a Skype appointment just a couple days later, and so we continued our discussion then. Ava said, I get what you mean, you just go get it, but getting comfort isn't as simple as going to get water. Now, I agree that just go get it is rather simplistic. It's definitely not the whole solution. But it is a start. The main point I was trying to make with my question is that the need for water isn't one that you debate or analyze. There wasn't anything wrong with Ava because she felt like she needed comfort. So if we know that we need water and we're stranded in the middle of the woods, and it looks like it's going to be a while, we know finding water is on the to-do list. When it comes to needing comfort, I like the metaphor of searching for water because It steers us away from getting bogged down by worries that something is wrong with us because we want to be comforted. If we see comfort as something that we need, period, we can get onto the business of locating it. But if we're stuck going, am I being too sensitive about this? Should I just grow a thicker skin? That's just going to keep us busy with judging ourselves. And it holds us up from getting on with the task of meeting our needs. We can call that step one. Accept that you need comfort and there's nothing weird or wrong about that. It doesn't mean anything. It's like needing water. You just need it. So we can move on to step two. Where can I get it? If you know that there's a stream nearby or you live in a house and can turn on the tap, boom, you know where you can go get water. Comfort is similar in that you might have a readily accessible, reliable source. Or you may have to look far and wide and cover a lot of ground looking for it. Whether you're seeking water or comfort, you can look in plenty of places only to be disappointed. 
you might say to yourself, surely there's water in the bottom of this valley, only to discover, whoops, there's no water here. Or you might say to yourself, surely this pint of gelato will make me feel better, only to realize, oops, I ate all the gelato and I still feel just as bad. If you're hunting for water to ease your thirst, you might come to the ocean. It looks like water, so much water. But sadly, if you start to drink it, it's not a relief because it's salt water. It actually leaves you feeling worse. While we're trying to comfort ourselves, it's important to recognize these possibilities. We might find water, yay. Or we might find a bed that's completely dry, boo, no help. Or we might find salt water, something that looks right, but leaves us feeling worse off than if we had done nothing at all. Importantly, if you keep looking in the same places only to be disappointed because they're dry or there's only salt water, we need to look in some new places. I'll come back to this in a few minutes so we can explore it in more detail. Step two is definitely the most involved step of the three. After step one and step two, step three is, am I willing to go get it? Let's say you know for sure there's water three miles west of where you stand right now. Do you want to walk that far? That means stopping what you're doing and putting some energy and time into getting the water. You might be at work and you can't take that time off right now. Or maybe you're unable to walk that far, so you'll want to think about where else there is water that might be more accessible. Being willing to get something means we're prioritizing that need as being important. If we aren't willing to lift a finger, nothing's going to change and we just end up staying thirsty. So, back to Ava for a second. After we'd talked on Skype, she set out upon her week with intentions to notice when she needed comfort. And she was going to try using things that were not food to comfort herself instead. Rather than just try things randomly, I encouraged her to notice which ones worked and which ones didn't. I told her to hold those comforts accountable. See if you feel the same, worse, or better. Because there's no need to keep trying things that aren't working, we want to get right to what does work. Ava found that the following things did work to help her feel better when she felt like she was uncomfortable. Hugging her dog on the bed. Having a coffee with a coworker, Hanging out with friends. Using the heated seats on the car ride home taking a break on the couch to meditate or chill out, and interestingly, she noted 30-minute max on that last one. As for things that did not work, she noticed that spending a long time on the couch did not help, and checking her email or messaging apps was similarly ineffective. Those all seem to make sense to me. I know if I spend hours and hours on the couch, it's more avoidance than actually resting, and it leaves me feeling worse but a brief break can totally hit the spot. My personal list would also include cuddling my dog, and yeah, heated seats in the car are pretty awesome. I'm totally a fan. But like any two people, Ava and I have different lists of what works for us when we feel like we want comfort. Number one and two on my list would be getting some exercise and getting outdoors. And neither of these are on Ava's list, and that's okay. This exercise that Ava did is one that you can do too. What it calls for is being aware of the times during your week when you feel uncomfortable or distressed. Then, step one, accept that you have a need or desire and that's okay. 
It happens to everyone. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or anything wrong with the way you're living your life. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I'd be concerned if you never feel uncomfortable, because that might mean you aren't challenging yourself at all. Feeling some discomfort or distress is totally human, totally not a problem. Now, if you don't want to turn to food, or if you want to have options other than food, we move to step two. Do you remember step two? Of course you do. Step two is asking, where can I get it? If you know something that will make you feel better, great. If you don't know or aren't sure, you can take some educated guesses. First, we can use what works for other people. The odds are reasonably good that the top places other people find comfort will work out for you too. Exercise is a big one. Same with cuddling a dog or a cat, as well as talking to someone we love or whose company we enjoy. These are the most common ones my clients cite as helpful, reliable sources of comfort. So don't forget those big three. Get your body moving, cuddle something furry, or connect with another human. Those are the most reliable. However, for some people, the following activities can also help. Carving out some quiet time or alone time. Taking a bath or a shower. Having a nap. Playing a game. Straightening up around your home. Making a mug of coffee or tea. Reading a book. Playing music. Watching television or browsing the internet. With these last two, however, I need to add a word of caution. TV and the internet can be some of those things that are actually salt water. So instead of quenching your thirst or alleviating your discomfort, they leave you feeling worse. So definitely pay attention to how effective different things are in different doses. Spending too much time sleeping or hours lost in a screen can turn something that was pleasant into something that drags you down. You know what I mean? The devil's in the dose. If you have two or three things which tend to help you feel better, that's enough. You don't need to have 25. And guess what? It's okay if food is on there. Sometimes food is a comfort. I often find that the ritual of preparing a meal for myself and my husband feels really comforting, especially if it's something warm and hearty that I feel positive about eating. Sharing food with someone can also be a bonding experience. Like the internet or television, though, generalizing food as always effective isn't 100% accurate, since too much food or an eating experience that isn't positive can leave us not comforted at all or it can leave us worse off. For example, standing up and eating cereal out of the box in the pantry is not a reliable source of comfort for me. Your mileage can vary, but for me, that's drinking salt water. Ava emailed me later in the week, saying that sometimes she felt stuck because she wasn't aware of what she needed. And she did turn to food a few times, simply because she didn't know what else to try. For example, she got up in the middle of the night and went to the couch when she couldn't sleep. She then went into the kitchen and ate a bunch of things. She was feeling really crummy and needed something, but she didn't know what. The food hadn't helped. Her husband came out of the bedroom and put a blanket on her, and aha! She felt better immediately and was soon asleep. She simply hadn't realized that she was cold. She also told me about a busy weekday where she was stressed and feeling hyped up about some big developments with her business. She had been in meetings and making phone calls and going full steam, and something about her mood compelled her to order a donut when she got her afternoon cup of tea. 
she felt bad about the donut afterward and asked for my ideas on what else she could have done. I responded to Ava with a couple of ideas to try when she doesn't know what she needs. First, you can look at what you have been doing that day and see what might be logical. For example, if you've been running errands and talking to people for hours, logically, you might be able to say, okay, I might need to sit still and have some quiet time. On the other hand, if you've been sitting in front of a computer and typing and typing for seven hours, you probably need to get up and move, and maybe you need to find a human to talk to. Second, cold and thirst are common discomforts that people mistake as a need for a snack. You can always grab a sweatshirt or blanket and see how it feels. Is that good? Same with a glass of water. How's that feel? Better? If that's not helping things, you can always move on and try some other ideas, but these would be two easy fixes if they are in fact part of the problem. Lastly, sometimes what you need is time. Emotions wind down and de-escalate with the passing of minutes and hours, so you can decide just to let time pass and know that you'll feel better once it does. Anger and sadness, for example, are two emotions that can be intensely uncomfortable, but there's no quick fix. They really just need time to heal. There's nothing wrong with deciding on a good night's sleep and seeing how you feel in the morning. Okay, we talked about lots of ideas for how you can go about finding a potential source of comfort. You can use sources other people have found reliable. You can use trial and error to figure out what works for you. You could do a quick check to see if you need hydration or to adjust your temperature. And you can logically look at your last few hours of activity to try and deduce what might be needed to balance you out. Or you can just decide to give it time. When I was writing the script for this podcast, I thought, oh darn, that just give it time idea doesn't really go with the metaphor for hunting for water. But actually it does. I mean, you can always not hunt for water and wait for it to rain, right? Which brings us to step three. Are you willing to go get it? If you have identified things which make you feel comforted, the last piece of the puzzle is a willingness to go get that thing. This might be easy for you, or it might require overcoming your own reluctance to take time for yourself or ask someone else for a hand. If you find you're having a hard time taking action to get comfort, try to think of smaller things which might feel more accessible. Maybe you don't want to ask your spouse to watch the kids all day, but you could ask them to take over parenting for two hours so you could get some time to yourself. Maybe you can't get together with your dear friend because they live 3,000 miles away, but you can set up time to talk on the phone. Remember, your need for comfort is valid and it's not a waste of time, energy, or dollars to help yourself feel better. That's all I have for today. I'm Coach Georgie, and I'll see you in the next episode.